This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 and hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe. This podcast, in my view, is designed to share as many stories from as many different people as possible and really delve into what mental health means and how it impacts so many different people in so many different ways. Now, during the show, we've spoken to dads, we've spoken to TikTok stars, crime reporters. We've kind of touched on a whole bunch of different bases, but never up to this point have we really touched on mental health in teens and and young people uh, in Canada and in the world. But that all changes today. Joining me today is Cheyenne Yazdan Pan from Kids Help Phone. Cheyenne, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me here. It's awesome to be here. Appreciate it. Okay, so before we get into uh, the peer-to-peer community, which is the, the reason we were connected, I wanted to to know, for anyone out there that isn't aware, what is Kids Help Phone and, and how do people access it? Yeah, so Kids Help One is a charity that started about 30 years ago, and primarily it started and it's kind of bread and butter has been our 24-7 anonymous counseling service, where young people at any time can call in to speak with a professional counselor um, about any issue, you know, nothing's too big, nothing's too small, um, and anywhere in Canada, 24-7 and completely anonymously. Uh, but since then, we've kind of been changing our services up and have added in a couple other things. Uh, one of them being the peer-to-peer community, but we also have a texting service where uh, if a young person maybe doesn't feel comfortable talking on the phone, they can text in by texting uh, CONNECT to 686868, um, and that way they can get connected to a trained crisis responder. We also have a live chat now, which is uh, similar to our texting thing, but it's on our website instead. And so uh, a lot of different methods for young people just to get the support that they need if they need it. Um, And beyond that, we also just love putting out resources for young people to check on their own time, whether it's articles or just things that they can do to learn about their mental health and kind of get them started on their path to recovery. COVID-19 has kind of become the elephant in the room for literally everyone across the world. It is a global pandemic for a reason. But the reason I bring that up, did Kids Help Phone see uh, um, a surge in usage from the isolation of the pandemic or did things kind of stay even once the pandemic started? No, yeah. I mean, I think all of us can kind of, uh, so to some degree, see how our mental health had changed during COVID. And I think that was especially true for young people. So I know for Kids Help Phone, in 2019, we had about 1.9 million interactions with young people. And in 2020, that number jumped up to 4.6 million. So a huge increase in how many people were either checking out our website, calling our services, texting in. Um, and, you know, I think all the issues kind of range in variety, but I just think that these stresses that COVID can kind of bring as well as the just a general uncertainty of what's tomorrow going to look like really can cause anyone some, some stresses, let alone, you know, young people who might be pulled away from their friend groups or their, you know, services that they might be accessing on school. So we have seen a really big increase and uh, we've tried to adapt the best we can to uh, address the needs of young people today. Okay. And you talked about uh, trying to adapt. Do you think that uh, kids help phone as a whole, like the business, model you had before the pandemic made it 
easier to to shift to accommodate all these extra people using the services? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that we were a completely phone-based service, you know, I know like for example, my personal counselor, I was seeing in person and I had to switch to Zoom calls with them. So uh, the fact that Kids Help Phone, we were kind of operating already in a remote type environment definitely made it a lot easier for, uh, you know, not, not having to switch how we offer our services. Um, that being said, though, I think we did have to switch a bit into how we can look at different ways to offer services, um, just kind of the longevity of certain pieces, you know, bringing on more counselors because uh, our teams have definitely really grown throughout COVID. Um, so while we were positioned in a really good place, which I think was just, you know, fortunate with uh, the way Kids Health Phone operates, we did have to still, you know, make some changes to make sure that we're meeting the really rapidly changing situation that happened, not only for all Canadians, but especially for young people. Okay, and uh, shifting gears a bit before we get into the peer-to-peer network, uh, in my in my younger years, I had a fair share of mental health concerns. You know, I, I've had lots and lots of bullying that I, I won't really get into specific details, but I've had situations where, quote, friends invited me over just to generate ammunition for making fun of me when we go back to school the next day and things like that. And the reason I bring it up is is not just catharsis for for being able to vocalize it, but how do you, how do you think we can get children in similar situations, children that feel the need to to vocalize these concerns to people how do we get them to kids help phone how do we get them talking to you guys yeah i mean i think that mental health promotion is a huge part of what we're trying to do at kids help phone and you know i think that's something that probably has changed a lot in the 30-year evolution of kids help phone where you know first it was services for people who knew they needed them but more and more whether it's through social media or whether it's through just certain outreach programs that we have we're shifting more to teaching young people the languages that they you know the terms that they need to even describe what they're going through because you know i don't know if this was like what you were going through phil but for me i know i struggled a lot with my mental health growing up but at the time, I didn't know what mental health was. And if I had to say, if I saw a mental health charity, for example, I, I wouldn't think, oh, that place is the answer to my issues because I just didn't see what I was going through having to do with mental health. But very similarly, whether it was through bullying or through other issues, there was things that were impacting my mental health. And so these different pieces for promotion, I think are really great at teaching people that, you know, this is what a mental health struggle can look like. And bullying can have these impacts. And if you are struggling with bullying, there's these things you can do. And one of those is calling kids help phone. So I think a big part is just getting these conversations started, which I know naturally are kind of happening more and more, you know, through all mediums of, you know, uh, pop culture or just things that young people kind of take in. Um, but I think having a lot of really focused uh, support from organizations like Kids Help Phone, where, you know, the terminology and the, I guess, science is a bit more accurate. You know, it's not, you're just learning from a TV show, you're learning from, you know, experts and things that are kind of backed uh, by, you know, evidence and all that kind of stuff, uh, I think is really important to make sure that young people know what they need to know and are, you know, learning it in the best way so that they can then feel comfortable accessing these services because they see it as a, as a solution for their problems. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think back to my own experiences, even as I was typing out the script here, I was thinking back to how much better off I'd be now as an almost 30 year old if I just took those steps and looked for the support before it became a problem. You know, I, I wonder if there were situations where the anxiety attacks I've had as adults if I had developed those coping mechanisms, if I had heard from other people experiencing those similar situations, if things had just been a little bit different. Uh, so I'm, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. That's literally the whole point of this show is to explain that we are not alone in this, that, you know, whether you're a, a TikTok star with 11.7 million followers or you're my dad with like 12 Facebook friends, 
you know, we all have these experiences. We're not alone in this. You might even say we're peers, which is a great segue into why we were connected. The peer-to-peer community. In your best elevator pitch, what is the peer-to-peer uh, peer-to-peer community? What is it? Yeah, so the peer-to-peer community is something that uh, came specifically out of the kind of impacts of the pandemic. And so the peer-to-peer community is essentially a series of online uh, based web forums. So easiest way to describe it is kind of like a mental health Reddit. So it's designed to have uh, various forums relating to different topics of mental health. So whether that's, you know, specific mental illness symptoms like anxiety, stress, depression, things like that, but also things like, you know, relationships that you have. So family issues or maybe cultural issues, those kinds of things that, you know, we might not think of when we think of mental health, but obviously can have a really huge impact. Um, And it's a place where young people can go to anonymously post about any of these things, whether it's a question that they have, an experience that they want to share, advice that they're seeking. And the really cool part is that it kind of shifts the dynamic of a young person seeking help from, you know, an adult, which I think works in a lot of cases and is great. But the peer-to-peer community provides a platform for other young people to then share their similar experiences. So, you know, if I'm a young person, I can post about, you know, school stress, and then another young person can reply and say, you know, I'm going through the exact same thing. And although there is definitely a space for getting professional help, there's also a different space for getting uh, a peer to kind of just validate you and offer their insights. Um, And that's really kind of the bread and butter of what the service is. Um, Beyond that, it's completely anonymous. So you don't have to share any personal information. In fact, we don't allow sharing personal information to keep that anonymity and it's fully moderated. So every message that goes up on the platform is reviewed by our team of youth peer moderators just to make sure it adheres to some community guidelines. So it's safe and it's not, you know, cyberbullying. There's no uh, trying to lure people off the platform. And so we try to keep it as safe as possible and uh, as safe of an environment for people to just, you know, ask these questions that they might not feel comfortable asking in person. And so far since launch, that's really what we've been seeing. And so really happy with how it's been going. Well, I'm glad to hear that too, because even as you were describing what it was, perhaps I'm a a bit of a pessimist, but I wondered if there was like, if there was things in place to, to keep predatory people at bay. And, you know, you talked about the anonymity, you talked about the moderation. So as someone that's got young people in my family, it's nice to know that if my, the young people in my family are turning to this network, that they are protected, that they're being monitored, that it really is a safe sp- safe place for you to, to share what you're feeling. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, sometimes it's even... Uh, you know, we feel bad because, you know, someone will be like, oh, you know, you can you can check me out on Instagram if you want to connect more. And I think it's great because, you know, it's like definitely a young person in those cases that we can tell. But even that stuff, we try to keep, uh, you know, off the platform because we want to keep it exactly as safe uh, for, you know, all these worst cases that could happen. Um, but so far, even without that additional need to connect offline, young people have been getting a lot of really good benefits from it. We've seen a lot of really cool comments of, you know, this is the first time I've heard someone with a similar experience as me talking about this, or, you know, I've been really meaning to talk to someone about this for a while and I haven't felt comfortable. So I appreciate you listening, but I think it's a really cool tool in the kind of arsenal that Kids Help Phone offers along with our other services to really provide people uh, a gateway to getting that support and maybe feeling a bit more comfortable talking about something. And the idea is, you know, afterwards, they might feel a bit more comfortable talking to an adult about it in their life or a counselor, or maybe one of their friends in real life um, and kind of continue that cycle of, of recovery. You know, just a, a last little bit about uh, safety and security on on the peer to peer community. Is there? Let's say I, I'm I'm a teenager. I go on there. I start to develop a, an almost pseudo relationship with someone else posting anonymously. Is there an avenue through Kids Help Phone that 
would allow these two to connect and become friends beyond the anonymous posting? So not exactly, because we've kind of removed that for the kind of what you're mentioning earlier, the predatory element, just mm-hmm. because because it's anonymous, we technically can't, you know, confirm whether someone is 14 or 40, but we can ensure that any behavior that would be predatory isn't being there on the platform. So uh, young people, unfortunately, can't, you know, take their relationships necessarily offline and, you know, connect in person, but we're definitely doing everything we can to foster those positive conversations on the platform. And young people are able to recognize each other's usernames when they're posting on the platform, similar, like, you know, other social media platforms. So, you know, I've seen people say, Hey, like, you know, so-and-so username, um, thanks again for responding to my post. Like, I really appreciate the advice you have to give. Um, and I think that that really satisfies the need of, you know, having that little sense of community while also making sure that everything is as safe as possible for young people. No, that, that makes perfect sense. I just, you know, I was thinking, thinking again, back to my own experiences, yeah. like I've had conversations on Xbox live. I've had conversations with complete strangers <laughs> on MSN yeah. and it was, you know, relationships formed out of that. In fact, there's sure. a, a girl on my Facebook that I've literally never met, but I've seen her children grow up. Yeah. But I digress. Um, did I read this correctly that children or young people 16 to 26 helped create this platform? Yeah. So a really cool thing about the service, just because, you know, as you were kind of talking, I'm sure, I mean, for me too, when I heard the idea first, a lot of kind of things popped up of, is this something that young people need, especially with social media, especially with, you know, things like Xbox Live and stuff like that, which, you know, I think a lot of us have had interactions with. Um, We wanted to make sure that not only does this fit the needs of young people, but how can it be most effective for young people? So earlier this year, during the pandemic, we did a very ambitious 250 person national pilot where we brought in 250 young people aged 16 to 26 from all across Canada um, and brought them in in a design evaluation process. So they saw uh, the idea of the site before it was even existed. So would a service like this in theory satisfy your needs of, you know, connection to other young people? Would it help in the COVID environment? Would it help outside of a COVID environment? All those kinds of questions. They also helped on the design of the site, what type of conversations you want to see, how we moderate our hours of moderation, all that kind of stuff um, was really influenced by young people's feedback. And so we're super proud of having been able to do that and super grateful for all the young people because I always say jokingly, you know, had I just kind of run with my initial ideas, we would have been completely off base. So it was really great to have young people, you know, really point us in the right direction and just made us feel a lot more confident moving forward with it because we knew, okay, well, you know, obviously 250 young people aren't representative of all of Canada, but, you know, we did try to keep it as representative of a group as possible. And that gave us a lot more confidence in really launching the service. And, um, you know, I'm really happy to say that upon launching, we haven't really hit any major issues because a lot of that was really solved with young people kind of highlighting different things that, you know, we might not have thought of. And so it was a great experience to have them involved in it. Okay. And you talked about them being uh, like uh, being involved in the design phase. Were they literally looking at what was created and be like, oh, I I don't like the way this looks the way this feels and kind of helping in that way or were they literally just telling you i i would like to be able to talk about this this and this for sure yeah so it's kind of like an all of the above thing so we have two we had two uh kind of like you know sections of our pilot uh so the first section was uh, a series of surveys that they would fill out based on different things so the first survey i believe was just on the kind of intention of the service so similarly to how i've described it to you we described it to them in a survey and said does this you know, how, how much do you think this would support your mental health? Is this something that you could see yourself accessing? Is this something that you'd recommend to a friend? All those kind of questions that were important. Then we sent them information about 
the content. So what types of conversations do you want to see on the platform? Because, you know, with, with mental health, it can literally touch every single thing. And so the way we've divided it is a series of, uh, uh, kind of topics that are broken down into categories. And so even the hierarchy of how to navigate it, we have to really confirm, is this the thing that would work for you? Beyond that, we also sent them some mock designs. So, hey, this is what the site will kind of look like. Do you like this? Do you like option A, option B? And got them to kind of answer it that way. Then in the second section of the pilot, what we did is we created a very base looking version of the service. So it was more just set up to serve the function than actually the look and feel um, because, you know, we weren't at that stage yet. But what they did was actually use the service for about a month while we were moderating it. So it was closed to Canada. It was just open to these, you know, 250 young people, but they were posting on the service exactly as they would now. They were, you know, we told them to really use it as if you have no understanding beforehand, just kind of go with it. And that's really where a lot of our kind of design guidance and just kind of understanding of the user experience came out of uh, because we really got that direct testing group, which gave a lot of really good feedback of what things work, what things don't work, what topics are more popular, what times are more popular, all that kind of stuff, which uh, helped us kind of set up for where we are today. I'm, I'm glad to hear, you know, everything you're saying about this service just sounds absolutely fantastic. And I think you folks at Kids Help Phone should be proud of it. But pivoting a bit, it's been said that teens can be a little bit stubborn uh, and they, they want to stand on their own two feet rather than listen to mom or dad or whoever their guardian might be. So if there's teens out there that are saying, I can handle this mental health crisis on my own, I can do these things on my own, how do we get them to the, not just kids help phone, but the peer-to-peer community? How do we get them? Yeah, I mean, this is a question that I've been asked a lot, especially by parents, um, you know, even before Kids Help Phone, before I was working on peer to peer, it's always a struggle of, you know, I have a young kid who I think is struggling, but every time I ask them they say, oh, I'm fine, or oh, everything's fine, don't worry, or school's fine. And, you know, I, I was one of those kids as well. Um, and I think that it's, it's a tricky thing, because with generally with mental health support, I don't think there's ever a way that you can necessarily force someone to do something they don't want to, you know, especially if it's an ongoing thing. Granted, you know, there's terms of crisis where your rules a bit change if there's an immediate risk of, you know, harm. Um, But if it's generally that, you know, a young person you think is struggling, I think the biggest thing that we can do, whether it's a friend or a parent, is offer that person the education that they need. So the information. So, hey, that's totally fine if you want to talk about it right now. Just so you know, though, there's these couple of resources that exist. And so you don't have to even look at them today, but I just want you to know that they exist and, you know, they're there if you ever need them. And I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, as a young person, you'll kind of go through your ups and downs and then you might hit a point where you're like, you know, it's getting pretty tough right now. And, and it'd be really great to do something about it. And what sucks is if you don't know what to do, which I think was the case in, you know, my upbringing is I definitely hit those points where I was ready to reach out and I was ready to do whatever it was to get better, but I just didn't know what existed. So I think having that information of, you know, the peer-to-peer community exists. If you want to talk about anything anonymously at any time, there's no commitment that you have to set up. You don't have to even come back to it if you don't feel comfortable, but it's there if you ever want to talk about it really helps young people. So when they hit that point where they're comfortable, they then know that they can go and reach out to it. And I think on top of that, it's just the idea of letting that young person know that anytime you want to come speak with me, that's totally fine. So, you know, if it's a young person in your life, I think the pressure of, you know, you have to talk about it right now can really turn that person away. But if it's just, you know, totally fine, I get that maybe right now you're busy with school or friends, but if there's ever a point where you're feeling these things and you just want to talk about it, no judgment, no advice, anything at all, you just want to get it off your chest, I'm here to listen to you. Um, And I think that that can be 
way more impactful than forcing someone to check out a service right then if they're not ready to. Um, but that being said, just sharing that information, I think is always a good thing. And just having that knowledge there so that the young person can choose for their own, I think is a, is a really great thing. Uh, out of my own curiosity, yeah. is there a way for us older people, which makes me so sad that I'm, I'm not even 30 yet and I'm calling myself older people, but is there a way for us older people, quote, to, to kind of encourage the young people in our lives to do the, or to reach out to these services, or should we literally just make them aware that it exists and, and kind of leave it to them to, to come find these services? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a very similar thing to, for example, let's say, like, you know, eating healthier, exercising, you know, you can encourage people a lot to do those things. But a lot of times, it's they, they, they're the ones who have to be the ones responsible to it. However, the things that I've seen that have worked really well beyond just sharing that information and being like, hey, eating healthy is a good thing, there's apples in the fridge, is really being a model for those things. So for example, for me, I think back again to my upbringing and how my parents, you know, if they ever told me to do something, the times where I would do it, I think re I realize now looking back that it was a lot of the times where they were kind of mimicking those same behaviors. So, you know, whenever I try to, you know, speak about these things, you know, I mentioned earlier that I see a counselor as well. It's not just, you know, you should go talk to a counselor. It's that something that I do too. And so I think whether it's uh, a child in your life or maybe a younger person in your life, you know, mentioning these things, then seeing how they respond. But then you can also say, you know, just so you know, like I talk to a counselor all the time too. And, you know, I've found it's been really helpful in these ways. And so maybe if you want, I can come to your first session or, and whenever you feel comfortable, I can kind of drop off the line. And then, uh, you know, you and the counselor can kind of take it from there. So really offering that support in, you know, I, if, if you kind of look at it in a physical way, it's like you're walking that person to the office, but then you kind of leave them in the office once they feel comfortable on their own. But there's definitely a lot of stuff that you can do to make that walk not feel so lonely and so, you know, judgy. Uh, when you're kind of saying, you know, I've done this walk too, I'll walk it with you and I'll be here as soon as you're done to talk to you about it. And really providing the support, you know, beforehand and after, I think is a really big thing to make sure that that young person doesn't feel alone in this and they don't feel like all the pressures on them to figure it out start to finish. Now, I've got one last question for you. It's a bit of tradition on mental health moments. Uh, if there's someone out there that's, uh, that's suffering through a mental health crisis or just struggling in general, whether it be a young person or old at 30, whomever it might be, what would you want them to know right now? I mean, there's so many things that I think, you know, are important and we've talked about, you know, I think the bigger feeling of you're not alone, I think is huge. And I think people don't really, I mean, I honestly can't say that I fully grasp this of you're not alone can make it seem often like, you know, out of 7 billion people on earth, there's one other person in your shoes. But I think it's really important to realize that like, everyone you see is struggling with something, you know, there's not anyone who has it all put together, you know, no one around you, even the most successful people um, don't have any issues at all. You know, my therapist even will tell me, you know, there's times that she struggles and she talks to a therapist. And I think that it's so important to remember that, especially with mental health, it's not a destination, you know, it's a journey. And it sounds super cheesy even saying that I can't believe that word came out of my mouth, but it's a completely ongoing thing that, I think if you start it with judgment of yourself, you're never really going to make it there. It has to be something that really is an act of self-love where you tell yourself, you know, 
I'm going to do this thing because I want future me to be struggling less than current me. Doesn't mean that by tomorrow, all my problems are going to be fixed. Doesn't mean that by a year, all my problems are going to be fixed. Doesn't mean that I'm never going to struggle again. It just means that every day I'm going to try to do these things to, to make myself feel better tomorrow and the next day. Um, and I think if we stop putting pressure on ourselves to really hit a standard that other people look like they're hitting, um, I think it'll help a lot to, to take on that journey without judgment of yourself, because you really need to be your biggest supporter in these things. You know, other people can support you, but I've had to learn to be my own cheerleader and, you know, really push myself and, and look back at how much progress I've made and look at how much more I have to go, but, but not be discouraged by that and rather be, you know, empowered and say, you know, I can really do this. And so to any person out there who's struggling, I know that, you know, you have the ability to, to get past it, you know, and not necessarily on your own. There's definitely things that, you know, other people can do to support you. Um, but that's totally fine. And I think everyone needs that support because, you know, especially with COVID, the whole one thing I hope people have learned is that, you know, you never know what the world's going to be like. No one's really an expert and no one's prepared for what the world can bring. So, um, you know, you just got to kind of learn to roll with the punches and and believe in yourself that you can get through it. Well, I couldn't have said it any better myself, but that's why I bring guests like you on. Now, before I let you go, uh, how can people connect with both Kids Help Phone and the peer-to-peer community directly? Yeah. So, I mean, the best way I think is to visit our website, which is kidshelpphone.ca. There you can find links to the peer-to-peer community right on the homepage. You can find our other services as well and just a bunch of articles and reading if you want to check any of those out. Um, but the peer-to-peer service is available at peer-to-peer.kidshelpphone.ca. So that's just another way if you want to go there directly, but definitely recommend going to the Kids Help Phone homepage so you can kind of get uh, the slew of options that are available to you. Um, and beyond that, our social media uh, is great as well for you know both current services, but also upcoming things, any opportunities that we have, like our peer-to-peer pilot, you know, we're definitely going to continue doing that for other services as well and make sure that we're engaging young people. So uh, social media on the website would be our two biggest ways. Good stuff. Chan, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an enlightening conversation and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Phil. It's been great. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for Mental Health Moments on 105.9 The Region. I am your host, Phil McCabe. Until next time, I'll close with You Are Loved. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Discovery the radio show for podcasters exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.